Good morning. It's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Welcome in on the day after Thanksgiving. If you are up this hour listening to us, you are hardcore and you're working hard. So thanks for dialing us up because I think most people are still sleeping off. That's singing helping the turkey right now. Uh, Story of the day yesterday is that Alex Smith, an incredible comeback just to play. The backup quarterback turns into the starting quarterback in Washington and a terrible season is suddenly back on track probably going to the playoffs. They've got a softer schedule than the Eagles and the Giants. Cowboys also have a pretty soft schedule, but they just beat the Cowboys and moved in front of them. Washington, look out, the playoffs. Somebody's getting in with six or seven wins, and it could be Washington. Big fourth quarter there, three touchdowns to blow the game open. Uh, College football, the Aggies get their first win over New Mexico. We'll get to that coming up. And BYU picks up a win. Uh... BYU picks up a win in basketball and moves to 2-0 by blowing out New Orleans, 86-61. Let's start, though, with the, uh, the Aggie football win. Two 0-4 teams colliding on Thursday night. Somebody's got to get a win, and when you're 0-4, and it's a short season, and in the case of the Aggies, you're playing seven games, you, you got to get it now. And they did. Uh, came out of the locker room with four touchdowns in the third quarter in about an eight- or nine-minute span. Uh, three offensively. Uh, Andrew Peasley, the quarterback, looked good, throwing the ball down the field, hitting on a couple of big scores. And they got a defensive score in there as well and opened up a big lead, and they go on to win the game. And then in the fourth quarter, when it uh, became 34-27, he took off on a wild 62-yard scramble that ended up in the end zone. And that, that pretty much sealed the game. Here's the sophomore from Oregon making his first start Andrew Peasley, the Aggie quarterback. Andrew, thanks for joining us here on the postgame show. How's it going? It's going well. And I'm really curious right now, before we get to the game and some of the big plays, can you describe a feeling in, in a weird year when you didn't know what the schedule was going to be and you didn't know if you were going to play and you get to play and then there's a coaching change and guys are leaving the team and a game gets canceled because of COVID. There's been a, a lot of negativity and a lot of adversity. Does that make this win right now feel just all the sweeter? You know, this this win feels really special. Um, you know, this team has been through a lot since uh, last spring ball, honestly, getting canceled with COVID. Um, a lot of ups and downs, season canceled, season back on. So, you know, just getting this team win, I feel like everyone is just, you know, happy they stuck it out, uh, came together as a team and got a W. So. I got to ask you, Andrew. Obviously, you, you get the the big third quarter where you had the the back to back to back touchdowns on offense, and then the scoop and score on defense. You get up the you get the three score lead, but your play on that third and five to go sixty two yards. Tell us what you saw there because it was a straight drop back, and then you got kind of flushed to the left, and then broke a tackle, get out to the right. Tell us what you saw on that play. You know, it was just uh, it was just quick game. Um, I was looking for D right. He didn't turn his head, so I got off it, and I got out of the pocket, and yeah, open field from there. So <laughs> that's simple. Okay, <laughs> we'll go with that. <laughs> it, it, it was a little more exciting than that to us, as we <laughs> as we called it up here, Andrew. What a game! Uh, uh, you know, 239 yards passing, 118 yards rushing, 357 yards in your first Aggie start. Three touchdowns th- uh, through the air and one on the ground. Had to feel good for you to to have that kind of performance here tonight. Yeah, I felt really good. Um, you know, I've I've been here for a while. I've sat behind quarterbacks. Uh, uh, obviously, Jay Love, Shelley, 
Um, and so, you know, I've just been waiting for my opportunity. And, you know, tonight they gave me that opportunity, and I, I took advantage of it. So that's it, really. What was the biggest difference for you? You got to play earlier this year. You didn't get to start, but you got to play. And obviously the numbers weren't what you wanted in that, in that game. But you get a little experience, and the numbers are very different tonight. We hear people say it's about confidence. It's about experience. The game moves slower for me. What, what was the difference? Because clearly your production was, was much, much better tonight. You know, um, the games before, I just I didn't feel like I was getting in a rhythm. Um, coming in third quarter, late in the game, you know, just kind of throwing me in there. Um, you know, I wish I would have took advantage back then, but, you know, sometimes things don't go as planned. So um, I got my opportunity to start today. I felt really comfortable. Uh, I just got out of COVID um, Sunday. So, you know, I'm still feeling weak and out of breath after that run I couldn't breathe but uh you know I just I got my opportunity and you know I didn't look back from there so got comfortable you know Andrew maybe talk a little bit about that third quarter uh what was the the adjustments you talked about in the locker room you took a couple of deep shots on the post route to Justin and and to save on uh what were some of the adjustments you talked about and uh you know what did you see in 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 those those touchdown plays in particular you know, in the locker room, we just talked about how we need to take more shots. Um, you know, uh, Coach and I were just like, you know, let's do it. Like, we took one or two in the first half, and we didn't connect. But uh, we talked about it and said, let's let's uh, take some shots, and uh, we connected on them. So, you know, sometimes guys feed off their teammates. Did you like seeing uh, Devontae Henry Cole, who's not the biggest guy, run through some contact early in the game? Did that fire everybody up a little bit? Oh yeah, him bringing some energy. Um, it just brings everyone else else up. So. So I Andrew, good to see. Andrew, when 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 they brought the game back to thirty four twenty seven, curious what was talked about on the sideline. Did did you feel any any concern or panic, or was it just hey guys, let's go out and put another drive together here? What was it, what was it like on the sideline there? Um, well, the drive before we had a false start, um, you know, another bad play, and uh, I just told the guys like, hey, you know, nothing changes. We still got to go down, uh, score the ball, and uh, I feel like they all believed in it, and it happened. So. Do you feel like you, uh, you you kind of emerged tonight as as the leader of that group? I mean, you got a bunch of offensive linemen that are you know upperclassmen there. You know some some backs and, and receivers that are upperclassmen. You got the big touchdown also from Carson Terrell. Do you, do, you, do you like the look of the guys in the huddle? And do you think they're looking to you now as a guy that can really be their leader going forward? Man, I hope so. Um, you know, I just I just uh, try to keep my poise and have confidence tonight and. Uh, I feel like everyone believed in me. You know, everyone was rooting me on from the beginning of the game. And so uh, I just came out there and I did what I needed to do and throw the ball around and got a W. So so you're looking forward now to a week of practice coming off a of victory. That ought to feel different and a chance to uh, build on this for Air Force. I'm curious what you'd like to improve going forward against the Falcons. Um, something for me is just uh, – get in the film room, get a get a look at Air Force, see what they're doing, see how they are. And I just need to get the ball out a little bit faster and be more accurate on my throws. Um, overall, as a team, we had some sloppy plays, but I feel like we played pretty well. And so, um, you know, just come to practice, be sharp, mentally sharp, and I think we'll be all right. I'm curious, uh, Andrew, as you got in the locker room, uh, what was said and, and what's the general feeling about uh, – Coach Frank in that locker room. I, I believe that all the all the players just really love Coach Frank, and uh, had to be a special feeling in that locker room after this victory. Uh, it was, it was, it was uh, a lot of emotion, um, excitement, and uh, you know, I'm just I'm happy for our team. That's really it. You know, I'm just uh, Coach Miley is 
he's the dude. He uh, he stuck with us. He's true Aggie blooded, and you know it was just a great feeling. There's Andrew Peasley after the game, the Aggies' new quarterback, Frank Miley, the interim head coach. Coach, congratulations on the victory. It's been a heck of a roller coaster ride this year. I, I got to imagine this is pretty sweet. Yeah, man, it's awesome. I appreciate you guys having me on, man. It's a, I mean, a great team win by all three phases, man. Special teams uh, came up big for us with the block uh, offense and, and defense, man. So proud of these guys, man. They they worked their tails off this week. They prepared, they executed, and uh, we came out victorious. You know, Coach, one of the things that I noticed is, uh, you can, and you can tell early in the ball game that the, that the effort, the attention to detail, the the desire was there, and we, we wondered if that might be the case. Uh, I, I assumed that that was something that you had stressed all week long, and, and it seemed to play at, itself out that way. Well, you know, it's the, the biggest thing about football is it's effort and execution. So effort's never been an issue with this team, man. These guys love football. They play hard. They play for each other. But execution's been our issue uh, the first part of our season. So uh, but when these guys, now that they've seen it on tape, where if they execute the game plan, great things happen. And so this was a, a good thing for us to, to finally hit. And for these guys to get a taste of, if every man just does his job and strains the finish, good things happen. So what was uh, what was said at halftime? What was tinkered with or adjusted at halftime? Because obviously the team moved the ball in the first half. There were some red zone issues. But coming out in the third quarter, I don't think any of us saw that coming. Touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. Before the defense put the score on the board. You know, I, I started the game before we came out just talking about the first 30 minutes, you know. And then halftime is always the time for us to reassess things. Uh, to reload and then re-engage into the second 30 minutes instead of big picturing it and talking about 60 minutes. I just talked about the first 30 minutes. Let's make that count, come back in. And then when we came back at halftime, the, the reassessment of things was, you know, offense has to finish those drives because they did a great job controlling the ball. We just couldn't get, you know, get the ball in the end zone. Okay, we came out with field goals. And so, and then defensively, we had to get off on third down. So that was the big emphasis there for both sides was we got to finish these drives. They're doing a great job controlling the clock, running the ball, and then uh, defensively, we got to get off the field and get the ball back to our offense, and that's what they did. You and I talked before the game, Coach, about uh, about uh, running the football. You ran it for 209 tonight. You talked about stopping the run. They went for 196, but you guys did a good job of eliminating the explosive plays here tonight and uh, made them try to drive the ball. But I'm curious, uh, when the game got 34-27, was there anything said on the sideline? Was Did you sense any sort of uh, nervousness? Or, or was that, uh, you know, the guys just said, let's lock in, let's go down and get one on the board and, and put this thing away? Yeah, panicking is never the, the, the answer and never what you want to go to. Uh, and so on the sideline, man, it was just coming to the sideline, readjusting a few things and talking about everybody doing their job. And we had to do a better job setting edges on the front side of the ball. They started getting into their quarterback lead run game. And so uh, we had to do a better job setting edges with our DNs and our outside backers uh, and chasing that ball from the inside out on the back side of it. And so, uh, you know, they did a great job. You know, hats off to those guys for, for really that was the one play that kept hurting us was their QB lead uh, run game right there. And so, uh, but, but these guys rallied together. They, they kept battling. Uh, they did a better job setting the edge on the front side and making that ball cut back. And so um, these guys did a great job finishing. Frank Miley joining us, interim head coach, Utah State, has just gotten a 41-27 win over the New Mexico Lobos. Uh, you know, up here we can say, see who makes the big catch, the big throw, the big run, and all that. But where are some guys who are grinding in the middle who aren't quite as glamorous who you think need a shout-out right now because they played real well? 
man, I thought the O-line played lights out, uh, in my opinion. Uh, facing a, a defense like Rockies, man, there's a lot of movements, there's a lot of blitzing, there's a lot of different looks uh, that they give up front, and there's a lot of stuff going on, man. But our offensive line, in my opinion, did a great job in the run game, picking up you know, all their games, their stunts, their twists, uh, the blitzes, and then when, when it was time to protect the quarterback, man, I, I thought they did a great job picking up everybody they brought. And so, um, you know, the beauty of, like, every now and then if, if someone gets loose, uh, you have a running quarterback, and, and that allows us to get out of those situations. But hats off to the whole offensive line, man. They did a great job up front. And uh, we talked all week long about uh, next, man up, next man up mentality. And I thought your young guys came of age here tonight. Um, you know, you look at Kena, you look at, uh, uh, you, look at um, you know, Jacob Robinson, you look at some of those young guys, and then they were led. I mean, uh, Nick Henniger with the strip sack that led to Kena's scoop and score, Justice Tee off the edge. And I thought Shaq Bond maybe played his best game of the season tonight. So you, you had some of the seniors really leading the way, but those young guys are starting to come of age here tonight. Absolutely, man. And, you know, a lot of times as a young guy, it's really about confidence, you know, and sometimes you just got to throw these guys into into the water and make them swim. And so uh, they responded to that, man. And, you know, the pick at the very end is another true freshman, Luke Marion. Uh, and so at, at the safety position, so when uh, when uh, Dom Tatum went out of the game uh, for the targeting uh, call there, we sent Luke in, and this was his first opportunity to play uh, in, in his first college game. And so, man, he responded. Uh, Shaq helped him on the backside there on the back end, and uh, they communicated, and he did a great job, man. And, you know, hats off for him for ending the game the way he did with that pick. So now you get to celebrate this tonight, and then I know there's uh, film work, and you got to get ready for the Air Force option. What is the message to the team looking ahead to that next game as you as you try to put together back-to-back wins? Yeah, man, I, I told them they got tonight to celebrate. That's it. Be smart. Uh, you know, we got to come back and test tomorrow morning. It's kind of the cycle we're in with the COVID stuff. And then, uh, you know, they'll have tomorrow off uh, to rest their minds and their bodies, and then we're back to work on Saturday with Air Force. And uh, I assume you'll get a couple of guys back perhaps out of the, out of the protocol, but uh, you may be out of the first half with Dom Tatum with the, with the targeting, so you're going to need some of those young guys like Luke Marion, who I thought he did. He came in and played really well. We didn't know he was 28. We thought he was 17, and then we finally figured out who he was, but he played a nice game here tonight, and, uh, and I thought your quarterback tonight, Frank, uh, was, was pretty special in his first start. Absolutely, man. Peasley is special, man. There's, you know, he came out, he responded, he led these guys. Uh, you know, I thought he did a great job controlling the ball and not really forcing things uh, in there. You know, when, when there wasn't anything there, he, he got rid of the ball or he ran. Uh, but he didn't try to force anything in there and try to make plays when they weren't there. And so uh, he didn't, you know, hats off to Peasley, man, for controlling the, controlling the plays and controlling the clock and, uh, you know, not losing the football. There's Frank Miley, the interim head coach. The Aggies get their first win of the year, the one and four, and now they got Air Force. Let's see what they can do next Thursday night at home against the Falcons. We're going to take a break, come back, and talk BYU football with David Nixon and BYU basketball as Mark Pope and Carter and uh, Richard Harward talk about uh, their big win, and we will do that next. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. 
From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. BYU up by 14 at the half on New Orleans. They win by 25, 86-61. Uh, Richard Harward off the bench. 11 points, 10 rebounds for the Orem High Tiger, the former UVU Wolverine, who after two years transfers to BYU, he had 11 points and 10 rebounds in 19 minutes. Wasn't great at the free throw line, 5 of 13, but I think you'll overlook that for the other stuff coming off the bench. Here he is after the game. Yeah, Richard, so we... Um, we saw New Orleans play a really um, physical style of defense. How was that for you, especially um, in the post? Um, how much did that change what you guys were trying to do on offense? Uh, it didn't really change anything. Like Pope was telling us going into the game, it's like, hey, these guys are going to be really scrappy, really physical. So I think initially some of the guys were surprised just because they, it's been like, what, six, a, a year and a half since we played. So they were kind of, I think we were all kind of like a little taken back immediate uh, right off the bat, but then we adjusted really quick. Uh, Big Rich, what's, what's kind of your sort of your attitude, your mentality when you're coming in off the bench and, and, and uh, coaches turn to you and say, Hey, it's your number, you know, go do what you got to do. What's, what's just sort of your attitude and your mentality? Because it seems like you came off and really just gave the team a, a, a boatload of energy for lack of a better term in turn and in addition to points and rebounds and that kind of thing. <laughs> well, that, that's, that's my mentality. It's like, Hey, what can I do to get these guys juice? So uh, Pope always talks about like our three biggest thing of transition defense, get a rebound and like on defense is catch, like catch the move, make sure where they're defending hard. So I just come off and like, Hey, I got to get a rebound first thing, like rebounding is kind of the priority. And then once I get that, I, it kind of settles my nerves. And then I know it kind of boosts the team a little bit, making reads, trying to take a charge, and just reading them. As a team, you guys really dominated the boards tonight. Uh, I know that rebounding has been a point of emphasis during the offseason. Uh, how do you feel like you guys did in that uh, in that area tonight? Uh, in rebounding, I, I feel like we did pretty solid. Like, I don't know the numbers uh, right off the top of my head, but I felt like everyone's getting the board. I know Caleb is an absolute monster. Like, I'm so excited to have that guy uh, on the squad and just watching how he's come in and he's able to contribute immediately. Colby was getting rebounds. Like, I feel like we're just such a threat all the way around when it comes to like the offensive board and even the defensive board, because we have so many guys who are have either the athleticism or the ability to go and get the rebound. All right. Let's take a question from Mitch Harper, Norma Gonzalez, and then Darnell Dixon. <laughs> yeah, Rich, uh, Mar- coach Pope said that probably to you guys, this was going to be a grind. Uh, I'm sure because of the opponent, but then you add 51 fouls. Uh, to the game. I mean, what, what type of impact does that have on a, on a game and the flow of it when you're having the whistle called all that, that many times? Oh, yeah. Like, I'm going to be honest, it's really, really frustrating when there's that many fouls called. I'm a, I've always been one of those more physical kind of big body. Oh, sorry. <clears throat> My bad. I've always been one of the more physical players. So it's just like when there's a lot of fouls, it's really frustrating because it's like, hey, I got to use my physicality. But Pope also told us that we're, we're kind of taught in practice. It's like, hey, always have the mindset that the refs are against you. So in practice, we're used to not getting calls. We're used to, or getting calls that go the wrong way that we don't agree with. So we're kind of, we're kind of used to that awkward flow. When do you think the the game kind of created some separation for you guys? At what point do you feel like you kind of broke free and you guys were then in control? 
Uh, right off the bat, like uh, BA and AB are studs. Like they play amazing defense. They're like super intelligent on the offensive end, always dishing up the right play, making the right decision. So whenever they're on the court, I feel like separation happens. Um, just in case we don't get to hear from you guys tomorrow or whatnot, just give us your thoughts on the upcoming game against Utah Valley and how tough this week is uh, considering you're playing three games within just a few days. Oh, yeah, well, like like I said before, I'm, I've played with uh, Pope for a few years, so I'm kind of used to his preseason schedules. He's always done crazy things. Like when I was at UVU, we did the toughest 24. So I'm used to him setting up these intense like day-after-day schedules. But as far as like this week, I'm, I'm just really excited, and I'm gonna, excited to see how our guys respond. Like I was at UVU, so I'm excited to go back and see all the guys that I might know and just see how the program's doing. There's Richard Horward after he came off the bench and had the double-double as BYU beats New Orleans 86-61. Now here's the head coach, Mark Pope. Super frustrating. Everything's just frustrating. Uh, this game of basketball can be so frustrating. Um, uh, and and um, the whistle, uh, not because it was an inconsistent whistle, just because the nature of the game can be so frustrating. Frustrating opponent because they pressure so much, they kind of take you out of stuff. and It was hard to get to a flow of the game because of the whistle and – uh, you know, uh, you know, obviously uh, the Gavin Baxter situation is just, um, we're just super hopeful and prayerful, but just, it was just a mountain of frustration. I told the guys uh, in the eight minute media timeout um, that, that a lot of times this game, like what you're competing against actually is frustration. That's actually your opponent. I thought the guys did a really nice job just managing it. They just managed it, kind of kept focused, uh, kept locked in the best they could. And, and I'm super proud of them. Thanks, Coach. Let's take some questions from Darnell Dixon, Mitch Harper, and Sean Walker. Yeah, Mark, uh, obviously the, uh, the height advantage played a big part tonight. A lot of offensive rebounds, 18. I think last year the high over your team's 11, so making progress in that, and that kind of maybe got you guys some momentum during the first half. Yeah, we, we managed to miss a lot of shots today. Um, and, and uh, it's actually – I'm really super pleased with that. Uh, I'm really pleased. This offensive glass just has to become a significant part of this team. It's really important to us. Uh, uh, clearly incredibly impressed with Rich Harwood today with, with the space he took up. I'm so glad that we're making progress. Darnell, that's got to move us uh, above 344 on the offensive glass, doesn't it? It just has to. Maybe we're down to the 330s. Maybe next week we can get to the 320s. Coach, is this one of those nights where maybe you wish you had some fans in the stands to kind of give a, a, a lift? Is it is it kind of difficult to navigate uh, with nearly no one in the gym on nights like this? Um, you know, it's I wouldn't say it's difficult. It, it's just a it's just a game. Like you know, great teams and great players they just embrace the frustration and they and they just kind of they keep playing through it and trying to make positive plays. Now, clearly, if you're asking me if I'd rather have fans in the stands every night, 100%. But um, but this is something that we have to manage as a team. And I think, that, you know, we learned a lot. Like, this team is going to learn. Like, um, we talk about turning – you know, you guys have heard me say this a ton. You know, one of our team mantras turned frustration into fight, right? That's our – that's one of the things we believe in. And so we can talk about it all summer long. But the guy, you actually, it doesn't become real until you're in a game and you feel it. And it just won't go away, right? You can't fix it. And so you just have to kind of keep mucking through it. And that's how it felt tonight. And hopefully our guys, 
you know, Caleb Loder, uh, we talked about it and then right at the end of the game. He was like, we love frustration. And um, that's, that's, that's what we're looking for. That's, that's one of the components that makes up a good team is a team that's able to compete through frustration. Speaking of Caleb, uh, what made you go with him in the second half with, with Gav uh, obviously out? Yeah, I mean, I thought he did an unbelievable job on the glass. I thought he was really solid defensively in the first half. Um, and, uh, and, and I trust him. I'm, I'm actually excited for him to keep growing. Um, his decision-making was good. He just had one, uh, you know, little rushed offensive uh, decision early on, uh, maybe midway through the second half, or over the first half. But otherwise, he's pretty solid offensively. I'm excited about him. He's going he's gonna to grow. Into, he's going to grow before our eyes. Like, I hope that uh, Cougar fans are watching him now and they watch him every single game because he's one of those guys that his trajectory is going to be really steep. It's going to be fun. Coach, kind of building on that a little bit, you mentioned Rich, you, you mentioned uh, Caleb. I thought Jesse Wade had a pretty nice night off the bench as well, some good minutes. It seems like your bench play in general kind of came in and gave you a lift, sort of that second unit of guys um, that, that – really just kind of sparked you when things were a little sluggish there. Just how, how good were they coming in off the bench and kind of giving you that energy that you needed, I guess. Well, it was in this type of game where, you know, the fouls are 26 to 25. Um, I'm just so grateful for the depth because last year I would have had to put coach Fieger in the game, right? We just wouldn't have had any bodies left. So I'm super grateful for the depth. I thought Jesse was terrific. Actually, I thought Jesse in the first half was spectacular defensively. Uh, was really, really solid. I was really proud of him. And he actually helped uh, our, our offense flow a little bit better. Um, clearly, we're just uh, a million miles away from functioning at a high level offensively against pressure. It's an area we've got to grow, but he definitely helped us. I was super proud of him, super pleased with his performance tonight. All right, let's take some questions from Jeff Call, Norma Gonzalez, and Bridger Beal. Coach, what can you tell us about uh... – Matt Harm's status right now. How is he progressing? And is there anything you can tell us about Gavin and, and uh, how he's doing right now? Yeah. So uh, uh, first, Matt is um, he had a really good workout again today. Um, we're going to actually throw him into a little bit of practice tomorrow and see how it goes. So I'm 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 really grateful. Um, I'm really grateful we were able to survive these two games without him. And then. Um, and yeah, I just would like to get him some practice reps, even if it's just for a day before he plays in a game. So we'll get a chance to do that tomorrow. In terms of Gavin, uh, we just don't know. He's going to go get imaging, and we're going to see. Um, we're, we're just really, really just hopeful and praying that, um, that, it, it, that it is something that's recoverable quickly. So uh, looking over the stats right now, you guys were eight of 21 from the free throw line. And it seems like at least in the first half, New Orleans wouldn't miss from the free throw line. The second half, you, they had a little bit more trouble. But what do you have to say about the way you guys need to improve off the charity stripe and how that can cost you games? Yeah, I was actually I was actually really proud. You know, Rich wasn't great from the free throw line tonight. Um, but he stood in there and finished every shot. And that's actually what we evaluate. That's what we look for on our team is um, we know if he does that, he'll continue to improve from the free throw line. So I was really pleased. I was, I was actually really, really pleased that we got to the free throw line. We got, you know, we had 21 free throw attempts, which is actually a pretty good number for us. Um, and, and a lot of that, a lot of those free throws that Rich earned 
were on where he was gaining us an extra possession. So I'm super pleased with it. Uh, I think we'll continue to get better just with, with reps and comfort of the line. But I did like the way that we approached the free throws today. That's the, that's the, you know, when you, when you step up at the line and you own every shot and finish every shot, you're going to get better and you're going to make them. So I felt good about it. And sort of uh, building off that, how do you, I guess, how, how would you describe the aggressiveness that your team showed today and the way that they handled New Orleans aggressiveness? Um, well, clearly we got to get better. You know, one of the things that the pressure did to us, it just kept us, um, you know, in the moments when we, were, we function really well, I'll, I'll give you an example. You guys saw we're in the second half where it's just been frustrating and stymied. We finally started getting to the second side and, uh, twice in a row, Spencer Johnson just flew off the flow in the corner forced his way off the ball screen and hit a roll for, for two straight laps. Right. And it was just because of the force and pace that he went with. Um, and it was because we got to a second side really quick. Our, our forwards turned the ball really quick and really aggressive. And we just didn't have enough of that tonight. We had too much where we kind of succumbed to the pressure. We wanted to probe too much with the dribble and against a team like this that covers so much ground so quickly. It's just not a good recipe. It's uh, it's uh, you know, it's what you see with young teams uh, going against pressure, and so we're, we're going to learn a lot from this. I'm super great for this game. You know, we're really fortunate to play two completely opposite opponents in the last two nights, and just getting the different looks is going to be huge for our growth. It's going to be really important for our growth, and and uh, that's what we need to do. I mean, clearly, we're not close to the team that we need to be or we're going to be, but but you can see the pieces of what could become a really, really special team. Um, Coach, it seemed like a couple of guys uh, were, took a little while at, in the first half to get kind of warmed up to the game um, to kind of find their shot. Uh, how much of that had to do with uh, playing a back-to-back last night and tonight? Um, or how much of that are you concerned about uh, just getting off to a quicker start going forward? Um, I, I don't know how much had to do with back-to-back. I, you know, we were pretty manageable minutes last night. I think it had to do with New Orleans. I mean, I'll, I'll give them credit. You know, they, we knew it. You know, we talked about it last night. Um, it just it was going to be an ugly game. They're a high pressure in the passing lanes, disrupt everything you do, uh, bring two to the ball, really, really heavy bottoms, quick on rotations, defensive team. And, um, you know, we, we – we, um, and we didn't manage that great. I didn't expect we would, but um, but so I, I think it, I think probably the, the ugliness of the game had more to do with the effectiveness of what New Orleans was trying to do. All right, let's take another question from Mitch, and then Darnell, did you have a follow up as well, or are you set? Okay, I think just Mitch. Go ahead, Mitch. Yeah, Coach, I uh, wanted to get your thoughts on Trevin Nell. I felt like there was a key stretch there, like the 14-minute mark in the second half. He gets that defensive stop, and then he had a corner three and an alley-oop to get in. Just maybe speak to his development and his growth and the role he's forming in this in this rotation. Yeah, Trevin was teasing me after the game. He's like, Coach, I got, a, I got a number in every single box. I'm looking right now to see if that's true. Three for three, two for two, no free throws, one rebound, two fouls. Eight points, two assists, zero turnovers. Super proud for him about that. Two steals, a block, and he's a he's a plus twenty one on the game, right? Um, so he was actually our leader. He was tied a three way tie for 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 our best plus minus in the game. I'm super proud of him. You know, 
Um, it's, it's really interesting when you have a guy that is, is known as a shooter, right? And, and when, he's, when it's all said and done, he's going he's gonna to become a great shooter that we're going to all acknowledge as a great shooter, a really dangerous shooter. But what I'm happy with Trev is, is Trev is not building his game on his shot right now. He's building his game on having a complete game where he contributes to everything. And that actually gives you staying power as a shooter where you can actually stay in the game when you're not making shots. Right. And so he's approaching this in a really mature way. He gave our pregame, uh, pregame speech today. thought it was fantastic. Uh, he, he's, he's got a chance to increasingly take a leadership role on this team. And I think he's doing it. So I'm, I'm really happy with him. was really proud of his performance tonight. And then lastly, if we don't talk to you tomorrow, your thoughts on taking on your, your old uh, program in, in Utah Valley coming up this weekend. Yeah, they're really good. Uh, you know, Mark's done an unbelievable job. You know, they, they, they had a, a solid year last year, and they're going to have a really, really good year this year. They, they've got a lot of length in the backcourt. they got a, a kid up front who I think was on pace today to be like a, a 40-30 game, right? A 45-30 game. I think they took him out the last I – don't, I don't know if he played in the second half or not. Um, so they're, they're going to be really good, really, really well-coached. Uh, team. It's going to be about every single one of these in-state games. Um, you know, every single one is just going to be uh, it's why they're great is because you can roll the dice and, and, and guess who's going to win. Cause it's going to be an all out battle. And so it's awesome. I mean, it's what we, what we look forward to. We're really excited about it. There's BYU basketball coach Mark Pope. After the win over New Orleans, BYU is now 2-0, and they've got a quickly rescheduled game with UVU coming up this weekend. Uh, we're going to take a break. When we come back, PK and I are talking football with David Nixon. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK is brought to you in part by Zero Res. Put your best foot forward with the Zero Res cleaning before the holiday season. Clean in November, make a food donation to Zero Res, and it'll clean a fourth room for free. Forwards or backwards, Zero Res, it's the right way to clean. Call them at 801-288-9376. Time to welcome in David Nixon, BYU TV football analyst and former BYU linebacker. David, good morning. Good morning. Before we get to the new round of bad news, which we'll get to shortly... Your reflections first on the bad news when you watched the college football selection show and saw BYU 14. How surprised what, were you? What happened? What happened last night? What? Did Why weren't you notified? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, you know, Cougar Nation is uh, obviously not happy right now. And, and listen, I think you take the same – I take the same response as, as all the ESPN guys. I mean, everyone, besides obviously the committee – it's all baffled at how BYU lands in that 14 spot. I mean, I just uh, it, d- it doesn't make a lot of sense, especially when you start to break down everyone in front of them. You've got a couple two lost teams in front. Uh, you, of course, got Iowa State directly in front of BYU, and we know uh, how they lost to Louisiana. And you start to run through all these teams, and of course, the committee then makes excuses of of why BYU's at 14, and you start picking into that at that as well, and strength of schedules, and uh, realize that BYU's got a strength schedule similar to some other groups in front of them, and here they are all the way back at 14 as an undefeated team. So 
It's uh, it's baffling. Listen, I feel bad because BYU has done everything that they they, that they try to do. Obviously, I mean, what what was BYU supposed to do, right? I mean, you had six P five teams going into this year. They all canceled on you, uh, and then you left to scrap and, and put games together. All of a sudden, you have a Houston team that says, "Hey, we can't come to your place anymore." BYU says, "Listen, you're a good opponent on our schedule. We'll make whatever work. We're coming to you now. We'll we'll go on the road." I mean, who does that, right? Uh, and then you go play Boise State. And you can't control that you knock out their quarterback. Uh, but regardless, you go up there and beat them by 34 points on the blue turf. I mean, it's just what more could BYU do? And I think that's the frustrating thing for BYU fans is uh, they, Tom Homo went to bat and, and tried to put together a schedule, put together a schedule. Yeah, it's not the most competitive schedule, but it was, it's a schedule. You still played nine games, which nobody else in the entire country can, can say. Uh, and so, you know, you've, you, you've tried, to, tried to put something together, but obviously BYU's best is not good enough. And that's what it basically comes down to. So the idea of playing Cincinnati takes a hit because Cincinnati Temple has been canceled due to the COVID, so maybe they'd have to reschedule that down the line in December. And rather than look at what BYU could have done, what looking forward is what it's about now, they've got to find a way, David, to find somebody to play that if they beat should give them some some sort of boost, even if it's minimal. They've got to do it. If not once, they've got to, If not twice, they've got to do it once. Wouldn't you say? Hundred percent. And I know that Tom was eyeing some of these games before the rankings came out last night. Um, and and then of course the rankings come out, and next you know I think he's probably in a little bit of a panic mode this morning. Uh, you know when you look across the landscape, it's interesting. Really, all the, the P5 conferences really don't need BYU except for the Pac-12. I mean, BYU's ranked higher than any Pac-12 team on that list. And so I, I don't know why the Pac-12, obviously we've seen that they can amend their rules on uh, any, any given day. So why not make an exception? And, and even if there is an opening and two teams have to be matched up against each other within the conference, uh, I think you still go in and try and lock in a game. And this is what BYU is trying to do with University of Washington. I mean, you saw Kalani, what he said last night, the fact that he wasn't ducking, they weren't trying to board anybody. They tried to make something work with Washington. They just couldn't make it work. And, of course, now we see why, uh, because everyone can see the smoke where the games are going to be canceled and you're going to have a UW-Utah matchup anyway. So, uh, you know, I, I think for, for the pac 12 sake and for BYU's sake, you find a way to match up at BYU and Oregon. And you scratch it and just say, listen, uh, regardless of cancellations, whatever, we're going to lock this game in because the pac 12 is the only conference that needs BYU at this point. All the other conferences have a team ranked higher than BYU in the, in the, play, in the college football playoff rankings. And so you got to find a way to play Oregon or, uh, you know, somebody else on that, uh, USC, whoever it may be, find a way to play BYU because BYU benefits the Pac-12, whereas then BYU doesn't benefit any other conference right now with how these rankings recently came out. So I'm wondering if uh, Tom also needs to call schools where the conference is in good shape, but the school is borderline, a school that's on the verge of getting into – a uh, New Year's Six, or a school that's in a New Year's Six but is on the verge of getting into a playoff. Texas A&M right now is number five, and A&M uh, isn't going to be in the SEC title game because Alabama is going to play Florida. Yeah, it makes me wonder with A&M whether they're trying to hope that, you know, when Clemson, Notre Dame play again in the ACC championship, do one of those drop below them and they can be one of the beneficiaries of, you know, all of a sudden jumping back into the top four like we've seen in years past. That, that, that number five spot is always a great spot to be because typically you aren't in the championship game, but you, you are the, you know, the beneficiary of one of those teams knocking each other off in the championship game. But uh, I, I agree. Listen, 
I think everyone's in play right now. And I think that's the interesting part. Probably the tough part for Tom Homo is uh, now that we're so late in the season, now that the college football playoff rankings came out, uh, now you kind of see where everyone's sitting. And, and that's your pitch to everybody to say, listen, we're ranked 14th. And, and, you know, you beat us. And that obviously catapults you past maybe some teams because the committee obviously shows that uh, strength of schedule is one of the, you know, largest um, things that they, they take into account. And so, I don't know. We'll we'll see how it plays out, but I think every conference is in play right now because, as we've seen, conferences can change their rules and amend their rules to however it's going to benefit them. And I think that's Tom Homo's pitch right now is saying, "Listen, I know SEC, you guys, um, you know, didn't do the out of conference uh, games, but here's here's an opportunity, right?" And so we'll see. We'll, we'll we'll see what happens. But this is a this is obviously not where you want to be if you're BYU. I think that's the frustrating part. BYU felt like they. They've done everything they've been asked to do. They went out there and absolutely dominated all their opponents. And, and once again, yeah, they weren't great, but they took care of business. Uh, and and their, their best wasn't good enough. And, they, you know, it's shown through the ranking. So there's still some weeks to be played. Iowa State still has to go play. Um, I think they play Texas. I think that's this week. Uh, and then you've got some other teams. I think uh, um, uh, Wisconsin and I believe it's uh, Indiana has still have to play each other. So there'll be – There'll be some teams that probably lose and, and fall below BYU, but you know, 14 is not not where we want to be right now. With knowing that to get to that large bid, you got to be ba- basically as high the ranking as possible. There's never any guarantees for an independent like BYU, but obviously the higher ranking, the better, and the, the more likely you get picked up as an at large. And 14, I, I think all BYU fans feel a little uneasy. That's not that's not the spot you want to be in. How much do you think the committee just looked at the Cougars this year and saw, ah, the schedule isn't good enough, as opposed to looking, hey, they've got a lot of three-year starters that have got experience combined with talent, and that's the reason why they're doing what they're doing, not the opposition. Yeah, I don't know how much thought went into BYU, frankly. When, when you look at, once again, what, what the explanation was of, of BYU not playing any the schedule and then the Boise State having their – he thought that he said, I think their third string quarterback was in there. Well, it's actually their fourth string. Um, but, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know how much thought went into it because you could tell how all the ESPN guys were just baffled. I mean, they're, they're, uh, they're shocked that BYU is that low. And, and then you saw the response from the national writers as well saying, clearly these people haven't watched BYU this year. Uh, because I think you're right. Uh, I, I think when you do watch BYU on film – and you watch them in the games, you realize this is a dominating team. I mean, this is a team that's pulling their starters at halftime or at the end of the third quarter and still being teams by 30-plus, 40-plus. And so, um, you know, it, it, you, maybe a lot of these guys are waking up and just looking at the score and saying, okay, that's a good score. But it's a whole different deal when you watch this team just completely dominate from start to finish. And so, uh, you know, it's tough. Listen, if you're, if you're a player right now, you're just as frustrated as anybody because, once again – You've lined up to get the schedule that, that, that had to be put in place, that Tom Homo put in place, and you've gone out there and dominated, and you get rewarded with a 14th ranking, uh, which pretty much signifies that you're on the outside looking in at this point. And once again, there's still a couple weeks to be played. There's still some shuffling that will occur. But the, the taste in your mouth today when you woke up is not a good taste. And I think that's why Tom Homo's calling any, everybody. The problem is with Cincinnati, you lose any leverage with them because they don't need BYU at this point. Uh, and and then once again you go to all these other conferences and and a majority of them have teams ranked above BYU so they're doing fine they don't need a BYU so it puts BYU in a tough spot right now there's not a lot of levers to be had but uh, we'll see if Tom can pull something out of his hat. 
So you figure Kalani goes for 100 points against San Diego State? The century mark. At the minimum. At the minimum, put up 100. Yeah, I mean, you could tell. How about that interview last night on ESPN? I, you could tell he wanted to rip somebody's head off. And that, <laughs> that's, why, that's why I think BYU fans obviously love Kalani and the players love Kalani because you could tell he was doing everything to restrain himself on that call, um, and he did a pretty good job. But you saw him come out and say, we're not scared of anybody. We'll play anybody. And honestly, that's his mentality. I don't think he's trying to posture at all. This is a guy who believes that BYU, especially this year, can match up with anybody in the country. Uh, and we've talked about in weeks past, a lot of it is, uh, it was PK mentioned a second ago, a lot of it is because of the, the team they have. I mean, these are kids that the majority of the team were all freshmen, starting as freshmen. And, and Kalani had to go through those years to try to coach these kids up. And, and he had to go through all the mistakes and, and game-losing interceptions that we saw from Zach Wilson. And, and I think after all those losses, he sat in the locker room and thought, thought to himself, man, here in a couple of years, all these guys will learn from their mistakes, and we're going to be a great team. And sure enough, here we are in 2020 with that team that he always looked forward to having, and, and you've kind of been get dealt the cards or dealt with this year. And it's just kind of a bummer. And I think that's some of the frustration coming out in him as well, uh, is that he has one of his best teams he's had, probably the best team he's had in Independence, uh, and, and you're stuck with. Uh, the schedule he's been stuck with, and you can't really prove yourself. And there's nothing really you can do, right? I mean, there's, there's nothing he can do. Obviously, Tom Holmes got to go out there and schedule these opponents. Uh, but I think that was kind of his plea yesterday. Listen, we'll play anybody. We're not afraid of anybody. Just sign them up and bring them. And I think that's truly the mentality of this team. The bummer is I'm not sure if they're going to be able to show against a quality opponent, but we'll see. Changing topics a little bit. I mean, it's apparent, isn't it? Mr. Nixon, that Drew Brees has made his last NFL start. <laughs> I definitely would not say that. Uh, listen, that that was that was incredible. an incredible game. I mean, uh, uh, I think I mentioned to you guys last week. I was I was heading down there for it, and it, the atmosphere. Even though, of course, in the, in the Superdome, they don't they don't really allow I think six or seven, eight thousand fans. There weren't a lot of fans there, but it was fun to be there and, and see when Taysom trotted out there on the field. Uh, just kind of support from the, the Saints fans just erupted. And I don't know if you can hear it on the TV, but uh, the place was pretty loud cheering for Taysom on his first start. Uh, and then he proceeded to go out there and go 18 for 23. Uh, pretty much a flawless game. He had one kind of short, uh, short hop the ball to, a, to an out route. I joked with him and asked him what happened there, and he said that uh, it just completely slipped out of his hand, which, which obviously happens. And then he had the fumble late, um, which was just him trying to, to, to create a little bit. But other than that, the, the game, I mean, you look at what he's able to do with the play action and, and hit his receivers. Michael Thomas finally got back involved. I think he had 10 catches going in the game. I believe he had eight or nine in the game itself. Uh, and so Taysom's able to feed, you know, their best receiver. And um, he, after talking to him after the game, we, we went over to his house and had dinner and hung out for a couple hours, watched Sunday night football. And, and uh, he said all the, the, his teammates were pretty complimentary after the game and, and pretty supportive. And I think he kind of felt that love. And so – it's fun to see that the whole New Orleans, not only the fan base, but also the players themselves kind of rallying around Taysom and realizing he's the guy. He's the guy until Drew's able to come back, which, uh, you know, putting him on IR means Taysom's got to start at least for the next couple of weeks, and then uh, we'll see how quickly Drew can get back. But, uh, man, it was fun. It was fun to see him go out there. I, I know he, you could tell he was re- very relieved as well. But he also said he, go, he said, he told us, he goes, listen, I wasn't very nervous. I, I've never felt more confident and more prepared going into a game. And we've talked about this in the past as well with, with Drew. Uh, those guys are up there every single day. Uh, I mean, Drew Brees, the guy that played for 20, 21 years, uh, he, he spends their off day Tuesdays 
up at the facility basically all day. And, and Taysom is, is pretty much expected for Taysom to be there with him to watch film and go over game plans and things. And uh, I think that's the great thing about being under, you know, second string to a Hall of Fame quarterback is you, you learn how to study and how to be prepared. And, and Taysom felt very confident going to the game, and fortunately it showed. So, David, your former linebacker mentality, how long until they're sitting on all those short routes he completed and making him go down the field, Not, you know, crossing routes, 15, 20 yards, whatever, and also throwing deep balls? Because that deep ball, Sanders came back and made it a completion, but my gosh, that looked awkward. Yeah, that, that one got away from him as well, he said. Uh, just kind of floated on him. Uh, but then he had the one later in the game of the touchdowns callbacks because of holding. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there was a play, there was a play action where he had the blitz coming in his face and he slid to his left, slid to his left, bombed some time, and he completed the out route as like a 15 yard out route. So, um, you know, I, listen, the good thing about Taysom, of course, he led the team in rushing, which is, which was ironic. But I, I think if you go back and watch it, he wasn't looking to run every play. It wasn't like a freshman quarterback in college that, they look at their first read, it's not there, and all of a sudden they're escaping the pocket and looking to, looking to create and, and get out of that whole mess, which is the pocket itself, right? I mean, young quarterbacks tend to like to get out because you don't have all the confusion. You don't have all the hands waving in your face. You don't have guys bearing down on you. They like to be out on the run. But you, you watch Taysom, he sat in that pocket pretty well, and he took a couple hits. Um, but, but, of course, when it really broke down, that's when he escaped and he scored a couple touchdowns. So, you know, I – I think he played a pretty complete game. Uh, I don't think it was just luck that he was out there uh, dishing out the ball the way he was he was doing. Um, but, you know, I, I think he, he was able to mix it up. He had some short routes. He had some, like, quick outs, uh, which is what the coaching staff wanted. And then he completed some deep balls as well. So he had he had kind of a mix of, mix of everything. It wasn't just throwing three- or four-yard checkdowns all night. Uh, but, uh, you know, we'll see. They, they play much tougher defense this week in, in Denver. I think they're ranked the number 12 defense overall. So he'll have his hands full at Denver. We'll see kind of how, uh, how he performs against them. Well, the bright side is the same defense ought to hold the Denver offense down similarly. So it, and I don't think it's going to take 30 points to win the game. Famous last <laughs> words. Yach will now play this, I know. but <laughs> yeah, the de- I was going to say, the credit to the defense, eight sacks, it was incredible. I mean, the, the defense definitely helped them out, and that was yeah. fun, to, fun to watch them, put them in good field position and uh, allow them to be successful. But, yeah, fun game. Let's, let's hope he can keep it rolling this week. David, thanks for the time. We appreciate it. All right, guys. Take care. There's David Nixon, the former BYU Cougar linebacker, former NFL guy now on BYU TV. We're going to take a break, come back with what is trending, all the headlines. Big win for Alex Smith and Washington in Dallas on Thanksgiving Day. Big win for the Aggies as they get their first win in the college football season. We'll do all that next. Stay with us.